Welcome to the Single Cell World, the podcast for scientists in which we disentangle single cell technology. Here, frustration and failure are transformed into clarity and understanding. I am Katia Motino and I will be your host. I hope everything is well on your side. The person that I will interview today doesn't know, but it was one of those persons that we think well, I will never have the pleasure to talk with him, since, as I say, he plays in another league. This because when I started for the first time working in a single cell lab with Holger Hain, the first protocol that I did was the SmartSeq2. SmartSeq stands for switching mechanism at the five prime end of the RNA template, and is a single cell RNA seq method that allows us to study full transcripts. To understand the protocol that I was going to work with, and you know me, well, if you know me, you know that I like to understand what I'm doing. So I decided to read the original paper. It was a Nature Protocols entitled Full-Length RNA-Seq from Single Cells Using SmartSeq2. Well, at the lab, we call it Piselli et al. 2014 because there is a publication of 2013. But we will talk about this later. And guess what happened? When I started reading the paper, I couldn't understand it. I remember thinking, oh my God, this is so complicated. Of course, that some years passed, I will not tell you how many. And today, I don't see it as complex as I saw it. But in order to help me explaining it, this uh, method and others, I invited Simone Piselli, the first author of the paper that I read so many years ago and so many times. And guess what? He accepted. Simone is now the head of the Single Cell Genomics Platform at the Institute of Tomology Basel, IOB. Hi, Simon. Welcome to the Single Cell World podcast. Thank you so much for being here, for accepting my invitation. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Before we start, tell me a little bit about your professional path and uh, when you reached the moment where you started developing methods to analyze single cells. Yes. So I, I've been working uh, in genomics since uh, 2010, approximately. At the time, I was doing bulk uh, analysis, uh, and um, so I started working, uh, uh, developing methods for um, bisulfite sequencing in um, medulloblastoma patients uh, when I was in Heidelberg and DKFZ. And um, then I had already been in Sweden for uh, for a few years, so after after a short time in Germany, I realized that I wanted to go back to Sweden. And then I was looking for an opportunity, and that's when I came in contact with uh, Rika Sandberry at Karolinska. At the time, he was just uh, starting his group, and he was looking for someone doing uh, methylation analysis. And that's why I, I was uh, kind of the perfect candidate, but I never worked on methylation in his lab. Uh, I just uh, started developing uh, single-cell methods that at the time that was 2012, was, uh, was very new. And since then, uh, I have been, uh, yeah, uh, developing uh, mostly RNA sequencing methods. So after uh, five years in Sweden, I moved to, for a short time, to, to Bonn in Germany. And then since five years, five and a half years, I am uh, I'm in Basel, where I'm leading the single cell facility. And uh, we do a lot of 
facility work, so processing samples for other users, but we are also developing uh, methods. And it's not only um, single cell RNA sequencing method, uh, like plate-based uh, um, RNA-seq methods, can be basically anything that might be relevant for, for the Institute and for what we are doing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of trial shooting, I bet. <laughs> All the time. Right? Yes, that is what happened also to me, like the labs where I was with Holger and then in Australia. It was more a hybrid between facility and research. So we had projects from both sides and basically was troubleshooting, troubleshooting, troubleshooting. And I always say that because of that, I learned a lot and I have a lot of knowledge. So we learn when we fail. <laughs> some some experiments, <laughs> experiments also, well, they work. But troubleshooting, yeah, it's, <laughs> we learn a lot. But we also we also test a lot of different kits uh, uh, that come out uh, to see if they can be applied or if some ideas can be applied to what we are doing. We were trying also to adapt the kits already that were already commercialized to certain type of samples that um, are more challenging, let's say. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. good, good. And as I mentioned before in the introduction, so the first method that I started doing was the SmartSeq 2. <laughs> long time ago. <laughs> long time ago. A long time ago. Let's start with it. Can you tell tell us, tell all the, the people that is listening to us about the SmartSeq 2? I rather prefer you to tell than me <laughs> that I was a user, not <laughs> who developed. Can you tell us a little bit about the SmartSeq 2? Yes, first I tell you why we, we started making a SmartSeq 2 all. So when I joined the Ricard's lab, uh, he had uh, just published the um, uh, um, Nature Biotech paper, that was 2012, uh, where they used uh, a commercial kit from uh, Clone Tech at the time, which is Takara Bio now, which is, uh, let's say, the SmartSeq kit. And uh, one day I opened the freezer and uh, so this kit was always coming with some control RNA that was in a, in a separate box. And that was just stored at minus 80 and, and forgotten, basically, because you don't, do, don't need to, to do a, a control RNA every time. And one day I opened the freezer and there were probably, I have no idea, 30 boxes of this control RNA, which means that we had ordered 30 boxes of, of, the, of the kit, which at the time, so now it's very expensive. So, and Ricardo wanted to do higher throughput uh, than what uh, we were doing. So I said, we cannot really, we cannot afford to, to do higher throughput if we keep buying the kit. So we just sat down and we went through the, the different components of the kit. And then we decided to replace them one at a time, basically, so that with with the reagents that we we thought could be, yeah, what was in the tube, and then of course we we expanded and we started testing different oligos and different uh, mixes and buffers. But that's that's how we started developing SmartSeq. SmartSeq two is basically full length RNA sequencing plate based method where. Uh, single cells uh, or single nuclei are sorted in a, in a plate or at the time uh, we were picking cells manually but now we do sorting in 96 or 384 
uh, in a lysis buffer containing uh, a mild detergent that is lysing in the cell membrane, an oligo-DT, some RNAs inhibitor to prevent the RNA degradation. And then the cells uh, can uh, basically, they lyse uh, and they can be stored at uh, minus 80 for, uh, I, I don't say indefinite time, but we have experience even with plates that are one year old and they are still working. Then when uh, this this makes also the protocol much very flexible because then you can ship plates around the world and then as long as they are on dry ice, uh, everything is fine. And then when once you are ready to process them, take them out uh, and add the reverse transcription mix. And uh, but bef before that, we we have like a uh, like a heating step where we which we think also helps in lysing the, the cells and um, basically also favors the annealing of this oligo-DT that we put in the lysis buffer to all the polyadenylated molecules, the RNA molecules. And, and then we start the, the RT. And the RT is done with a reverse transcriptase uh, that has a, a special property that is called uh, a template switching uh, activity. So the reverse transcriptase is using the RNA uh, as a template to generate uh, a cDNA. And when it's reaching the, the five prime end of the mRNA, uh, is adding uh, some untemplated nucleotides. So without any template, it's adding two to five nucleotides that, that can be Different, but in many cases they are cytosines. So let's say a three a stretch of three cytosines. In this RT mix, so we also have a, a template switching oligo, which is uh, using these uh, three Cs to anneal the uh, to this um, like um, yes this tail, let's say. And the reverse transcriptase can now switch template. So before it was using the mRNA as a template, and then later is using the the template switching oligo, which is a DNA molecule as a template uh, to generate uh, a complementary strand. So in the end, since also the oligo DT has a known sequence at the phi prime, in the end you have uh, uh, reverse transcribed all the molecules uh, in, uh, in, in the cell, the RNA molecules in the cell with, uh, with a single oligo DT, and all the molecules uh, have now known sequences at both ends and can be amplified with um, um, in, in, in the following PCR step. So we just added the PCR mix uh, to amplify because, I mean, the, the, the amount of material is, is very little at that, that point. And after that, uh, there is a cleanup step. And then, uh, of course, the molecules are too long to be sequenced on Illumina sequencing platforms. Then we need to, to fragment. And then that's why we, we use the, the TN5 transposase uh, because it's very, very quick. And also because we developed a protocol that um, uh, was making it very, very cheap. So we didn't need to buy any, any commercial kit. And then we generate uh, uh, like a shorter fragment. Uh, um, and then we do, we do a second PCR to add, uh, add up different uh, index primers uh, in order to be able to multiplex uh, hundreds of cells uh, in, a, in a single flow cell and make the, everything uh, financially more affordable yes <laughs> yes as we we like that 
<laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. So I never did smart seek picking up sales manually. This is the first point I did always with uh, with fax sorting, and it was difficult back then to because it was the first time. So to optimize to make sure that one cell was inside the well, yeah, it was. But after that, it, it was okay. So, but all the process that you say, yeah, yeah, it was like me reminding the protocol that I follow so many times. So, <laughs> this, the Smart Seek 2 paper was done entirely with the manual cell picking. Wow. And, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and uh, we have sequenced, uh, I think we sequenced some 35 cells in the end. It was really, it's really ridiculous if you think about it. Now, yes, but before it was before, sequencing yes. 96 cells, it was amazing back then. Yeah. Now it's like, what? <laughs> Millions of cells, yeah. <laughs> As, since we didn't, uh, I mean, we, we sequenced really, really deep. We sequenced uh, 5 million reads per cell at the time. And since we didn't want to sequence every cell, uh, we sequenced only those that uh, ended up in the in, in the in the paper but we in the supplementary we have uh, like a list of uh, of the cells we processed to test the different conditions and sometimes it was enough to see if the cdna was uh, was there or not if it was long or uh, yeah anyway so we have uh, like uh, some 700 cells uh, in the supplementary and those were all picked <laughs> manually oh my god <laughs> under the microscope with the pipette so it was a lot of fun yeah, sometimes when I explain that to new students, they look at me and say, manually? Oh, it's possible. Yes, it is. <laughs> because, yeah, it's very strange right now. But yeah. So about the SmartSeq tool, there are two papers. If people uh, will search for SmartSeq tool, they will find two papers, one of 2013 and another 2014. Can you tell the difference why there are two? Why? I will leave the links for these these papers. Yeah, the 2013 is the original paper um, okay. with, uh, yeah, basically with all the, the different uh, conditions and buffers and reagents and oligos that we tested. And the 2014 is just the protocol because uh, at the time there was no protocol SIO website, so we we were invited uh, from the nature uh, protocols editor to write uh, a protocol uh, but that in order to do that you first need to you needed at the time to to have a paper that had been peer reviewed and that was the nature methods and that's why it came uh, later but uh, yeah i mean it's easy, easier to follow that 2014 it's easier to follow and that was all, always the the one that we were printing at the lab, the 2014, not the other. So yeah, <laughs> and then some tips for people that will do smart seek. I'm not talking specifically about smart seek too, but some tips that things that we were doing at the lab. Tell me if uh, it really will help or not. Like for example, after putting the lysis buffer, centrifuge the plates, like do a spin on the plates, make sure that everything is down, the liquid. Um, after also collecting the cells, should we do a spin for the cells to go down or it's not needed? <laughs> yes, like, no, I'm I mean, asking yeah, this because, <laughs> because uh, I, I knew before, because we were doing that religiously, like we need to do a spin, liquid down, and then after go to the sorting, right? You collect the plate from the sorting, do a spin before you freeze. Otherwise, the cells will not be will be like in the wall 
So tell me, tell me, <laughs> this is a myth. No, yeah, of course you need to to spin down after dispensing the lysis buffer because uh, I mean we are dispensing uh, lysis buffer now with the nano dispenser, so there can always be some uh, spill, uh, some droplets that are. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, on the wall, and so we we always do that. Also, if you have the plates, uh, if you ship the plates, uh, if you have them uh, in the freezer, you you don't know how what happened before. So there might be some droplets on the on the lid. So it's always good to to spin them down before. Um, but uh, it doesn't. Uh, we don't spin down after after sorting okay. because uh, I mean, especially when uh, sorting now in 384 well plates, uh, we are dispensing picoliters. Uh, so if the droplet with the cell doesn't uh, hit the lysis buffer, then it's gone within uh, seconds. It evaporates okay. and the RNA is, is lost forever. So there mm -hmm. is really. No, no point in uh, okay. spinning down after. You just have to be really, really careful and have a perfect alignment when you're mm -hmm. doing fax sorting. And that, uh, that saves you a lot of trouble later. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> because, of course, if you are... Well, my experience was always before single cell with uh, milliliters, microliters, and you always see the drops in the wall. So automatically we were doing that because... Yeah, but now you explain very well why it's a myth, at least the, the part of the cells, of course. Uh, then about storing the plates at, uh, at minus 80. Yeah, my experience is also that one year, it's okay. It, it's not the perfect conditions for the RNA, but it, it's okay. We were doing some experiments uh, after one year uh, at minus 80 and the RNA was okay. Not always, of course. No. I mean, if you have a robot cells, like hex cells are yes. probably fine. We noticed that at the time uh, with, um, now we are not doing that anymore. We try to process the plates uh, within uh, one or two months. But at the time we had uh, some plates uh, with um, some innate ly lymphoid cells uh, from, uh, from patients. And uh, after six months, uh, there was no RNA, usable RNA. It was just a noise uh, that's why primary cells are probably more difficult because they are they are probably dirtier they have more RNAs and uh, and they are and also there is one thing that um, we never we never fixed in the protocol M not many people notice it but uh, uh, there is an RNA inhibitor in the in the smart sick 2 um, paper but if you look at the at the specs, uh, this RNA inhibitor from Takara requires a DTT to work, and there is no DTT in the lysis buffer, which we fixed later in, in the new Flash Seq protocol. Uh, so we are, we were always wondering how is possible that the RNA is not degraded if the RNA inhibitor is working suboptimally at least. I'm not saying that it's not working, mm -hmm. but yeah. It worked a lot. <laughs> yeah. I know that it worked. Yeah, maybe it was not perfect, but as always, I, I always say this, even the new technology, the new methods, they are not perfect. There is no perfect. <laughs> so we do our best and we try to get the best quality results. Yeah. So. Masik too, it's not perfect, but. <laughs> no, but now we will talk after. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, there was nothing else. So it was the best day back then. So, yeah. So, and the SmartSeq 2, 
we always thought at the live that, okay, is there a smart sick one? Was there a smart sick one, a smart sick? That was the kit, uh, the original smart uh, or smart sick kit from uh, from Klontek, which was, uh, there was only that kit, so it was a smarter, smarter kit. And that's why we were smart sick too, because it was basically based on that. Uh, exactly the same uh, workflow with the just uh, replacing uh, these unknown reagents with uh, off-the-shelf reagents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So about still the smart seeker too. What type of samples can we use? Because I was use human samples. Could we use other type of samples? I suppose that they need to be like uh, samples from species that have polyadenylated RNA. Yeah, yeah, you can use um, you can use any any cells from any organism as long as they are polyadenylated. If you use the standard SMARSIC two, we are also we were also using uh, nuclei. We are still using nuclei. There is not really clear the the lysis buffer that is used for cells might not be great for nuclei. So we we change it uh, with uh, guanidine, uh, which is much stronger lysis buffer but there is also there are also like other lysis buffers that can be used um in theory one um, i think that there are also some papers where they modified the smartsic 2 by using uh you can also use random primers uh, as long as they have uh, a five prime sequence that uh, is uh, usable in the following pcr i mean yes i mean i, I think that have been so many modifications from the original protocols and yes to, to know exactly what people did <laughs> yeah yeah it's true so smartsic 2 the next like the evolution was the flash seek that you were talking about before right more or less yeah, there was smartsic 3 ah okay tell me yeah yeah because it's true like also, other thing that uh, I want to, to ask you is why the the names of the methods, for example, SmartSeq2 was the commercial kit, was the SmartSeq3. And then there was not, the numbers were never the same. <laughs> so No, the, 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 the thing is that, uh, yeah, that was confusing. So uh, Takara made a kit using, uh, so basically we licensed the template switching oligo to Takara. The, the template switching oligo using the SmartSeq2 was a license to, to Takara. Plus, they probably also changed the, I mean, they have their own reverse transcriptase, their own polymerase. Uh, but then basically, the, they made a new kit out of it. So the first kit uh, that was is a smarter kit, and then they made a new kit, uh, which was the SmartSeq V4. And don't mm -hmm. ask me why they jumped from two to four. Um, <laughs> But um, they have uh, uh, they, they had this kit which is a SmartSeq V4, and then yes. later, actually later, came the SmartSeq3 paper also from Ricard's lab, and that's why we decided we were uh, yeah we didn't want to have a SmartSeq uh, five. <laughs> I don't know. Does it make sense? So we decided to change completely, and uh, and I, I ch change the name and use FlashSeq. But okay, flash it's good. Uh, it belongs to the same family, let's say. <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 that's great. No, yeah, with the kids, but it's not only in this case. So sometimes I get confused because one thing is the, the protocols that are published, they are called A, and then when it's transformed in a commercial product, 
is a different name. And sometimes I don't know if this that is the same because it's not clear. Normally, when we see the commercial product, we really it's not clear what method is behind it. So I'm always trying to search, search, search to see if it is the same. So let's talk then about the, the new version of the Smart Seek, the Flash Seek. What does Flash Seek stand? Let's start with the name. <laughs> the name... Uh... <laughs> uh, it's very cool, by the way. I like it. <laughs> uh, we don't. Uh, we, we don't uh, have. Uh, so th there is no. I mean, we were thinking about some possible acronyms, uh, but uh, we like uh, could be like a full-length, uh, all-in-one switching RT homebrew was cr horrible. But then in the end, the the, the reason was that uh, we wanted to just. Uh, give the deliver the message that the protocol is faster than the smart seek uh, methods that they were always doing uh, rt and pcr and we do rt and pcr in in a single step that was uh, one uh, one reason why also we decided to call it flash seek the lysis buffer is exactly the same as in smart seek 2 uh, plus minus uh, some small changes like fixing this uh, issue with the dtt and then we we basically combined uh, RT and PCR, and it's also very, very similar to SmartSeq2. We updated the reverse transcriptase, so we, we used uh, like a more uh, processive and the newer uh, reverse transcriptase. What we noticed that was very interesting is um, we tried all the possible combinations. So we tried to do, to take the the SmartSeq2 reagents uh, and do everything in a single in a single pot reaction, and that was already working very well. And then we tried to say, okay, what is the best buffer that makes uh, the polymerase and the reverse transcriptase working at uh, very efficiently? And this is not the reverse transcriptase buffer. So if you take a, a superscript uh, buffer, the superscript works well, but the polymerase, the kappa polymerase, doesn't. But if you take the kappa polymerase mix, uh, the reverse transcriptase is working well. That was basically the the very first experiment we did, and uh, and after that we we did uh, like some um, like other modifications uh, to 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 try to to push the the gene detection. <laughs> so for us to have an idea how fast it is compared with the smart seek tree, I think it's the, the last one. So. How long it was before and how long it takes now? Like if if we follow a workflow, normal workflow, without being 24 hours at the lab. <laughs> Please. <Sure>. And assume, <laughs> let, let's say let's say with uh, in a 384 well format yes. with uh, with automation. Because I mean now nowadays uh, you cannot yeah, it's true. do a high number of cells without automation. Uh, before it was taking uh, I would say, I mean split over two days so like one and a half day now you can do it in eight hours the the longest uh, is the rtpcr that still depending on the cell type i mean depending on many pcr cycles you are, you are basically doing but it takes uh, three three and a half hours and um yeah so that that is the the longest uh part but then but of course you don't then you don't have to care about uh your uh, RT because everything, uh, I mean, you can also start, uh, if you have many PCR machines, you can also start uh, 
10 uh, plates in parallel and then <laughs> for the day and then you don't have to to do like with Masic to wait until the RT is done and adding the PCR uh, which is uh yeah yes uh, i wait a lot at the like <laughs> yes yeah uh, yeah we were just waiting for the plates to finish so yeah <laughs> i know it's true yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that is the standard protocol, but we also have this, uh, we call it a low amplification protocol where you can do thing in half of the time. So the, the, the reasoning was, uh, uh, it's very simple. So usually you do 20 PCR cycles or more. So you generate a, a amount, huge amount of, uh, of cDNA that you are not going to use because the yes. TN5 uh, that is used for the library prep is super efficient. And um, so you just need the picograms. And at the, at the, now we are starting from 100 to 200 picograms, but sometimes we generate uh, 10, 20 nanograms of cDNA. So we thought, okay, it doesn't make any sense to, to, to do this a long application because you are introducing more bias. You have to, to wait longer until the PCR is done. Um, so we decided to, to just uh, do enough PCR cycles to have uh, uh, a bit of cDNA that we can use directly after dilution to get rid of, or at least to dilute all the salt and the um, oligos that might still be present. Uh, uh, but this dilution is enough to basically skip the cleanup, so we go, go get even faster and go straight into library prep. Yeah, now, there are different ways to, to do that. Uh, SMASIC 3 Express is doing something similar. Uh, where they dilute the cDNA and then uh, and then they take uh, an aliquote to do the library prep. We in the paper we we started doing just taking uh, one microliter of the undiluted cDNA and just making it, uh, making the library prep in a larger volume. Uh, even this prep, but then in the end the result is the same because I mean we didn't care about uh, the the library prep volume because. Uh, the, the TN5, uh, I mean, comes basically for free in our case because we we it. So yes, that was not uh, not so important. But of course, if you if one is buying the the commercial TN5 from Nextera, like the Nextera kit, then it's probably uh, more intelligent to do a dilution and then take uh, a very very small volume of this diluted cDNA and do the library prep. But in the end, yes, yeah, yeah, it is. Now we know that we have SmartSeq 3, 3 Express, FlashSeq. So if I want to implement something at, uh, at my lab, let's say that I don't have a plate-based method for full-length RNA, what, which one of these, these ones that we talk about, you'll tell Katya, uh, implement this one, the FlashSeq, right? Or no? <laughs> well, I um, we have uh, already at least... Uh, uh, 30 different facilities or, or labs that have already set up a flash -seek. Um the standard protocol without UMI. So because, yeah, the full story is that we have this standard flash -seek, we have the faster flash -seek with a little amplification, and we also have a, a flash -seek with the UMI similar to to Smart 6.3 and Smart 6.3 Express. There, it's, uh, it's not always easy to... So when you do UMI, basically, you 
the, the point of having UMIs at, at one end is that you want to correct for uh, PCR duplicates and really be able to count molecules. The problem with the UMIs is that uh, uh, in order to be able to reconstruct the isoforms, uh, you first need to do always paired and sequencing. So you need to pair the four, the one, one read, the one with the UMI, with, uh, with the other read downstream that is uh, in the middle of your transcript. And then, of course, if you wanted to reconstruct uh, longer transcripts or be able to reconstruct larger portions of transcripts, you, you need to have longer molecules, longer libraries, and these longer libraries are suboptimal for, uh, for the Illumina sequencers. Uh, NovaSeq uh, is even more sensitive than uh, uh, the, the older NextSeq, and uh, this creates a lot of problems because uh, you have suboptimal binding to the flow cell, you cannot really titrate the number of UMI reads because in our hands at least and also what we the feedback we received from uh, several users this percentage of UMI read uh, cannot be uh, estimated in advance because it's a very cell dependent depending on how much RNA probably and so there is not one protocol fits all and which means that you always need to do like a small scale sequencing first uh, to see if your libraries look good and then uh, go for a larger scale sequencing. So it's a, it's a yeah, I mean, it's not uh, great. Uh, it, 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 when it works, it's fantastic, but it's uh, both FlashSeq and SmartSeq C-Express. And uh, in, in our hands, as I said, not only in our hands, is probably not the best approach, but it was the only approach uh, when uh, if you have only an Illumina sequencer, then of course uh, then go for it. But uh, at the at the at the moment, uh, there are uh, long read sequencing platforms are getting so much better than a few years ago that we don't even bother to um, do a UMI, and we just uh, developed uh, now a new protocol only for long read sequencing platforms. This was my next question because my feeling is that everyone is moving there. Like right now, single cell, there is a new tech, new technology, yes. But I think there is already, we reached the plateau. Now is the way we sequence. Until now, short fragments, Illumina, for example, and other companies. But I think we are shifting for long reads. I think yeah, that that is the future of single cell right yeah, I now. Mean, I think we are we are working <laughs> on it. After yeah, we tested the, another bunch of different uh, conditions, lysis buffers. We, we basically we tested every single aspect uh, of the protocol again with the new enzymes. Uh, unfortunately, we we. Yeah, we could cut the cost a bit because we could reduce some expensive reagents like a reverse transcriptase. We small modifications, but they didn't bring any breakthrough. So we thought, okay, it seems that uh, with these enzymes we have reached a limit, and um, then we should basically use a FlashSeq uh, for uh, like using the the strength of FlashSeq, which is uh, generating uh, really full-length molecules, and and that's why we we are yeah we have this uh, with method that is 
not finished yet but uh, it's, uh, it's coming soon uh, we always mm -hmm. have new issues but uh, i think uh, yeah we are we are quite close and so it's basically it boils down to to be able to barcode uniquely every cell and then to, to be able to keep track of it. So the, the problem with all these plate-based methods is that uh, the barcoding is done at the very end. When you do the second PCR after tagmentation in the um, library preparation, and until then you have to proceed and keep the cells in separate wells. So you need uh, automation. Uh, and if you have a lot of plates, uh, then it becomes uh, horrible because uh, you spend... <laughs> yes. Hours and days and months in the lab. Uh, of course, uh, droplet methods are uh, don't have this problem, but again, they they are sequencing only the three prime. Yes, but now you have plate-based methods with a combinatorial barcoding, so they do it basically at the beginning. They start doing barcoding, right, of the RNA and DNA, and they they go until kind of the the middle, let's say putting these uh, unique barcodes. Um, so, yeah. True, but... <laughs> but, I, tell me. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> you needed to fix the cells, which is uh, always yes. uh, damaging RNAs. Uh, the number of steps uh, is also horrible uh, because you always uh, needed to, to, to split uh, and pull mm -hmm. and split and pull several rounds. The efficiency of these reactions uh, on fixed cells... Uh, is also really bad. So yes, you can do million cells with uh, with some kit. I always say that it it will depend. First, it will depend, and this is why, um, for example, this project I'm doing because um, what I when I was choosing different technology, it's like okay, there is some information missing, and this is what is important for people to be aware of all the limitations and advantages for all technology. And then say, okay, there are these limitations, but for my project, it will be okay. Or for the type of samples that I have. So as you said before, there is not a technology or a method that fits all. No. That, and even if we have the best sample for that technology, can be there, there will be problems. It's like that troubleshooting. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. No, you are right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we never go for uh, for plate-based method uh, as as a first uh, as a first method. We go for droplets like 10x, and for um, split and pull methods. And then you can process a very large number of cells, and you sequence them very shallow, but you don't care because that uh, you get some information about different subpopulations. And then if you have a more specific question then you can just use a more sensitive method like a plate-based method. Financially, it will, they will never be comparable because, I mean, droplets are done, are picoliter, nanoliter droplets. Uh, it's very, very difficult to, to get to the same, uh, to get at the, at the same price level than, uh, than droplets with plate-based. This is why it's really, uh, we really need before we say, okay, this technology on the, or the other, Think about it. Think as, and as you said, I also don't think there is only, or that we should do only one type of method with our in our project. We should always do uh, something that is complementary, 
something to say, okay, I have this general overview. Let's see if it's really like that and validate with a more specific uh, technology or with technology that will give us a more detailed like uh, view of what we are we are seeing. So yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> and for the flash seek, are there like bioinformatic programs specific for flash seek, or there's no because right now there is the technology, especially the commercialized one, that always come associated or together with the software to analyze that specific type of data. In this case. With the smart seek. Okay, the same. The same uh, type of data, smart seek. Mm -hmm. Okay. For the new one, of course, uh, we have a new pipeline specific for uh, um, for this long read uh, flash seek, because also there we observe that there are artifacts that are generated, but we, we can uh, bioinformatically find them, pick them up, and and basically solve them. Yeah, don't want to go into details, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, we 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 the, we we see that uh, also that method is not no, perfect. Yeah. Of well, they <laughs> are. You know, you are. We are doing uh, always lots too much PCR yes. enzymes that were designed uh, 30, 40 years ago to to work in bulk sequencing. Yes. Uh, so it's not a very efficient approach, but we don't No, it. yeah, it's true. Yesterday there was a, a student that was asking me, but why can we not uh, like uh, be sure of the dropouts if they are technical or if they are uh, really that the gene is not expressing? And I told, yeah, because we cannot know. And I don't have, and it was that what I told him, we don't have really a solution, a way of seeing that, no. And I think it will be very difficult because, as you said, we are amplifying, amplifying things. There will be mistakes. There will be, yeah, yeah. There is te technical yeah, the limitation. Problem, yeah. yeah, the sensitivity problem comes from the reverse transcriptase. If a molecule is not reverse transcribed, it's not going to be amplified, then you are not going to see it. And you don't know if uh, if it was there in the beginning no. or or not. Eh. That's uh, that's a, the big problem. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And uh, the flash seek, will you kind of transform it in a kit that will be commercialized? There was already a kit uh, based on... Ah, what it was? Uh, it was uh, yes, yes. It was uh, released in February 2021. Mm -hmm. Uh, was um, commercialized by the company Sequel. Ah, yes, I know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a company ba in Boston, based in Boston. They have uh, they are very strong uh, in uh, TM5 library preparation kits, and they also they had a kit uh, before, but then it was uh, later it was discontinued. I believe because there were not um, like many many requests. Uh, let's say probably I mean the price. Uh, the price is always probably higher, always higher than uh, having uh, like a homebrew version just based on a paper. Of course, some people don't want, uh, or companies at least, uh, they want something more standardized and then they would buy the kit. But many, many companies are not even doing single cell or they are just doing uh, 10x as a single cell. They do 10x. They, they don't start doing smart seek, flash seek. And that's why probably, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's uh, there, there, there was there is interest because we we see we have a lot of as I said uh, 
customers also that are for which we are sequencing samples and so there is some interest it's a niche field now plate-based uh, sequencing but uh, there is yes need. there is there is yeah you don't know how many times i was saying for example that uh, droplet-based methods like the next genomics we couldn't do uh, full length i think there was a, a problem or well, there was something that was the marketing campaigns. I think we were using plate-based, but then it came uh, 10x and drop plate-based techniques. And the marketing was so uh, high, it's so good, so well done, <laughs> that of course in our heads were, okay, droplet-based methods are faster, are cheaper, and it's true, and we can get a lot of cells. And everyone want, wanted, until now, I'm seeing a little bit of shift on that, a lot of cells, a lot, a lot, a lot. But now we have a lot of cells and we don't know what to do with the data. So I think now people think, no, I rather prefer small amount, but go deeper, see better what I have in these cells. And there is where, of course, plate-based methods are, are good. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a quantity versus quality because, I mean, we also yeah. showed in the, in the FlashSeq paper that uh, the number of genes that we can detect uh, with uh, with the 10x uh, is uh, is not very good. So it's like a half of the genes that we detect with the uh, with the flash seek. But of course, the price per cell is much lower. Yes. The amount of work that you have to put, yeah, let's say, yeah, it's it's, it's lower. And um, yeah, so that 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 makes sense. That uh, you you start with that, but uh, I mean, you always. Uh, uh, even if this chemistry, the, the version 3.1 chemistry that Tenex has, is so much better than the version 2, still is not uh, uh, comparable to a, a plate-based method. Yeah, yeah, but most part of the people they don't know they they don't know those details, and, and this is again information I think is really needed. And he, this is why we are here right now, because because I think it's essential, really. Yeah. So in the case people want to do FlashSeq, okay, the protocol, can they contact you or your facility because you have uh, this as a service, right? Yes. We are uh, officially also registered as a service provider on scientist.com, which is sort of a Amazon marketplace for science. And this I is never heard about it. No, That's it's good. It's, uh, okay. It's, it's super cool. Uh, so you basically, you you are there and you say which services you are offering. In our case, we are offering FlashSeq, uh, and, uh, but also 10X. But it, the, the thing is that, uh, of course, 10X becomes a bit more complicated to do, uh, like to ship cells or to ship nuclei, because then when you throw them, the viability is not great. Uh, so we, we, we prefer to do FlashSeq because, I mean, the, the cells are sorted. Uh, we, so we ship the plates to the users. They do the sorting. They ship the plates back. Uh, we take care of uh, doing everything, including the sequencing. And we, del we also do a QC report where we we don't want to ship, uh, to send uh, crappy data so we first check that everything is fine and then we we just send the this qc report and the raw data to the user and um yeah so that is uh we are we are also offering bulk flash sick okay. so that's also yeah. another thing we are not buying any commercial kit uh for bulk sequencing also for our projects 
we we just uh, optimized the, the adapted the flash seeker for bulk RNA sequencing, and of course uh, for low input. Uh, low input, I mean uh, anything between uh, hundred picograms to five nanograms, maybe ten nanograms. We generally try to stay around the one two nanograms. Uh, that's sufficient. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I call yeah. it mini bulk. <laughs> you can call it mini bulk. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we wanted to be. We wanted to fill the 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 niche, uh, the the gap between a single cell and the the gold standard in in the field, which is the the TrueSeq kit from Illumina, which uh, still required the hundred nanograms or or, uh, or so, uh, and that's okay. We say many people don't have that amount, and. Um, that, that's why we we decided to also have a, like a bulk uh, RNA sequence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's great. I will look at that uh, website that you told me because I, di I didn't know. And sometimes people ask me, where can I do this or that? I don't want to buy the kit, for example. I don't want to implement the, the technology or the method at my lab. And I didn't know. So, yeah, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Thank you. Or, or they can also just mail me directly. So it's Yes. Like it's not a okay. Yeah. I will leave your contact. Yeah, and we are just at the end. I don't know if you have something else uh, to to say. It's your free time. <laughs> say whatever you, you like. <laughs> so you can say whatever you want. <laughs> oh, I think. No. Uh, okay. I think. Uh, yeah, as I said, we are uh, we are moving away from uh, from short read sequencing and uh, long read sequencing are. Also not perfect, but they are much better. And um, yeah, so I, I, th I think uh, we, we will keep offering both uh, Flash Seeker for short reads now and later also for long reads. But um, yeah, so I think uh, I think there is really for people who are really really interested in uh, looking at uh, isoforms because with the short reads. Uh, Reconstructing isoforms uh, is done bioinformatically, while uh, with the long reads, uh, one molecule is one isoform, and uh, and then you're really sure which isoform you're looking at. And isoforms are important also in um, in, in human diseases. So there yes. are uh, brain development, but also inherited diseases uh, are uh, also due. Like uh, I think there is an estimated ten percent of diseases that are associated with the some splicing defects. No, yeah, yeah. To be honest, I think the isoforms are kind of the key because gene expression. Yes, it, it's good to know the cell types and, but even the cell types, if we look into the isoforms, maybe we could get more resolution in more subtypes. So I think it's like go deeper. Right, gene expression. Okay, let's see the isoforms, and uh, yeah, I think that is a key. A lot of a lot of, um, as you said, diseases, and I think we we should look into <laughs> that. And again, the same as you were saying. Normally, if it's really a project of isoforms, I don't recommend go for short like uh, technology that you can do three prime and then reconstruct because I don't think that is the best way you will have a lot of mistakes and again bioinformatics can do miracles yes but 
is it real or is just prediction? I don't know. So it, it's it's a field that um, I, me as a biologist and as a wet lab researcher, I rather prefer to do really experiment to see that the isoforms to sequence the the full length, you know, then reconstruct and um, guess what is the isoform. So yeah, <laughs> my. The, the one one other problem that remains and uh, is uh, how to make the protocol a bit more user friendly because I mean all these protocols still plate based require automation which is like a large investment require still a relatively a lot of manual work and um, so ideally uh, and this ten years that I'm looking for it like I need a, <laughs> I need a, like a larger Larger plate, but uh, mm -hmm. to be a 1536 plate because then there are no thermocycles for it. I mean, there is one, but yes. uh, I heard of, <laughs> never see, never saw it in, in real life. I never saw. Um, okay. so you need uh, some micro well array, but then it becomes also then then you you cannot do it without uh, automation. But still, it would be no, no. an improvement uh, compared to processing 384 cells at the time. Which yeah I, yes nowadays is a uh, little yes yeah I know I the number of <laughs> thermocycles that you need uh, to 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 have in order to process thousands of cells so um, it's a lot it's a lot yes so thank you so much it, it was really a pleasure to talk with you and um, and I know that there is not like a perfect method. And to be honest, I hope there will not be, because otherwise we will not have anything to do. <laughs> so <laughs> let's leave it li like this. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's difficult to for us to have like a perfect method. I think there will be always things to improve and uh, <laughs> to do better. <laughs> so thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah let's see what is coming next at least in single cell special is other thing but in single cell yeah i think it will be the long rates right now do you have some opinion about the future of single cell sequencing technology besides that we are going to the long reads other thoughts about that special in the end uh, just uh with the methods so we'll uh, i mean Visium HD has been released, uh, so yeah, uh, I think we are uh, going uh, to very high resolution spatial transcriptomics in that direction. Efficiency of reactions uh, in situ is, uh, at the moment, is not going to be comparable to the efficiency of reactions in, in solution, uh, but I'm sure they will find some, some solutions to that. Um, yeah, multi-omics <laughs> yes but the thing is that the price tag <laughs> is still uh, is still crazy if you think uh, if you wanted to analyze uh, consecutive mm -hmm. sections of uh, of an organ uh, you really need uh, a yes, big yeah. budget yeah but I think the prices will like reach a point that they will start decreasing a little bit it will take time to be honest with single cell, I think it was everything more kind of fast, the development. I have the feeling that 
the knowledge that we had at the lab, as you said before, it's basically dissociate, PCRs, things that we had, material that we had, then we could improve the things and do, right, at the normal labs. Especially, I see it a little bit more difficult on the part of a standard lab to develop new things, to, to try new things like we were always doing with single cell. Let's try this buffer. Let's try. No, with spatial, I think it's more, it will be more complicated because, for example, we have the machines, we have the specific probes. So I think it will take a little bit more of time because at the end of the day, are like researchers at the labs, not companies, right? That we do these trials and we try to push things further. So, yeah. Very technology heavy and you need uh, to yes. have uh, several uh, types of expertise. Uh, you need to have uh, the molecular biologists and you need to have the histologists uh, and uh, the uh, the micro, the person that is really good at imaging and the bioinformatician. Yes. So, uh, yes, <laughs> and uh, you can do it. I mean, but then it's more like uh, either yeah. facilities or companies. Uh, but then you pay the price for yes. it. Yes. Uh, if you wanted to have like yeah. a, the the ready to use products. Yeah, because, for example, with the single cell kits, at least my experience says, it was like, okay, we have leftovers. Let's try this, right? <laughs> with this sample. But with a spatial, uh, that is not really possible. There are, there are no leftovers. They don't leave us leftovers <laughs> for us to, to play, basically. Um, so yeah, yeah, it will, yeah, it's very mm, expensive to, to do some trials there. So yeah, let's see. Let's see where we are, <laughs> where we will end up. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much uh, for being here. And uh, yeah, see you around. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Single Cell World podcast. In the case you would like me to cover a specific topic or invite a specific person or a company representative, please let me know. Right now we have a new email that is info at thesinglecellworld.com. So drop me some lines and let me know what you want because at the end of the day, this podcast is being done for you. Also, if you like what we are doing, there are different ways you can show your support to this project. For example, you can follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Our podcast is also in other platforms, like, for example, Podbean. So there you can rate our show. Uh, by the way, because of a cyber attack, we lost all our followers and ratings on these platforms. So maybe you think that you are following the single cell world and maybe you are not. Maybe because of that, you are not getting notifications of new episodes. So please pay attention to that. Also, other way you can support our project is to share your favorite episode or episodes on your social media or even buying us a coffee. I will include the link at the podcast description. So thank you so much again, and I wish you a great day.